Lord my God, to you I give my hands. Lord my God, to you I give my feet. Lord my God, to you I give my everything. Lord my God, to you I give my life. Live and move and breathe in you. I live and move and breathe. Let everything I say and do be founded by my faith in you. I lift up holy hands and sing. Let the praises ring. Sing it out again in you. In you. In you I find my peace. seated. All right, note to self, we're not going to do 130 beat songs before I have to get up. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, welcome. Glad you could join us. We are starting something very exciting today called Experiencing God. Uh, And we've just been challenging you all to say, do something a little bit beyond saying, you know what, I'm going to trust God to help me. Maybe it'll be here every Sunday. Maybe it'll be getting the workbook. And the workbook's a big deal. I mean, it's got five lessons per week uh, that you do on your own. And then we have our small groups that are meeting. We have uh, the guys on Sunday morning at 8 o'clock, and then ladies are at 10 o'clock on Wednesday. And then our regular life group on Tuesday night at 6.30. If you're saying, boy, I can't do any of those, uh, we, uh, we, we still have a sign-up back there for Thursday night at 6.30 um, and then Saturday morning at 8 o'clock. And so then they'll all be here. Uh, if, so, so today's the day. Again, we have a couple workbooks left. If you can't do those at all, uh, then every workbook has the video lesson in the back. You gotta, you'll, you'll see it. There's a code there you put in. You'll just have to make sure that you, uh, you have to do a, a login with lifeway.com. It's all free, but it comes with your workbook that you have. So again, if that doesn't work at all, maybe, uh, maybe it's just something you and your spouse could do or on your own or whoever. So there's lots of opportunities for that. But we're going to get started today, and it all starts, as we deal with experiencing God, it, no surprise, starts with God. It starts with Him. Uh, We had a a chance uh, this year, this summer, for our vacation, 
we went to Hocking Hills State Park in, in Ohio. Has anyone ever been there? Yeah, now, if, if you've ever, if you think Ohio, the last thing you think of is caverns. <laughs> but these are amazing. There's a lot of sandstone, and over the years, glaciers have receded, and then the water comes underneath the sandstone and kind of undermines it, and there's these huge caverns. And you think, in Ohio? Yes, they're, they're there. It's Colum- near Columbus, right? Is that the nearest big city? And we, we took pictures. Okay, we were taking pictures all over. And then when we looked at the pictures, we thought, yeah, that's a picture, but it just doesn't do it justice. You know, who hasn't seen a picture of the Grand Canyon and then later gone and seen the Grand Canyon and gone, wow, it just doesn't do it justice. Can we maybe turn those down just a hair, please? Because I'm nearly blind now. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Um, it's the same thing when we talk about God. It, we could read about him. You could find books upon books of people who've written about God. Some are believers, some are not. But it's a whole nother thing to actually experience him like the Grand Canyon. It's not that the pictures are wrong. It's you just don't get the full feeling for that. So let's get started. Just a little introduction, and then we're going to uh, be in John 15. But here's what Jesus said. Here's what Jesus's point was in John 17, 3. He said, this is eternal life. What's that, Jesus? That they may know you. He's praying. He's talking to God. That they may know you, God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. It's one thing to know about someone or about something. It's another thing to know them intimately as a relationship, to experience them, to know them well. In experiencing God, they have this quote. Real Christianity is not merely a religion. It's a relationship with a person. Real Christianity is not merely a religion. It's a relationship with a person. So our goal and our prayer over these past few weeks as we've been gearing up for all of us is that we get to know Jesus and the Lord God better and better. Uh, we're, and this journey does that. And I want to just give you a little caution. We've already talked about it this morning with some pe- folks, but it, especially if you're doing the workbook, please try to avoid the, I'm going to get this done. I'm going to check this little thing off my list kind of attitude. You're going you're gonna to gain from it, but would, would really encourage you to stop, think, ponder, think about what you're reading, what you're responding to, whether it's, again, here for a Sunday morning message, doing the workbook, or listening to the videos. Uh, just try to avoid that fill-in-the-blanks mentality. Uh, you know, there are check-the-box things in the workbook as well. What is experiencing God? Well, they've diagrammed it for us, and we, we should have that for you as well. And if you had your workbook, you could turn to the back, and you could see this as well. And as you can see, it starts with God. God is doing things. Uh, it's very clear. I've been talking with pastors 
uh, uh, lately and, and other folks as well. God's doing things in our community. We're not quite sure yet where he's going, but he is moving in people's hearts. And the same is true throughout history. And, you know, there are so many examples of how God has used this cycle, so to speak, in bringing his followers in along with him. If I were God, I would just say, you know what? I'm just going to use all the angels. Right? <laughs> just, let, just use them or, or my own power to accomplish things. But God doesn't do that. God says, I want my children, my sons and my daughters to be part of what I'm doing. So uh, he, it starts then with a relationship, and we'll get to that in a minute, and an invitation of saying, God's saying, look, come on and join me. And he speaks. That's step number four. But if you're like me, you think, I don't want to do that, God. Maybe, maybe that will be frightening. Maybe that will stretch you in ways you don't want to be stretched. Maybe you could be persecuted for obeying the Lord. Um, who knows? But there's that point where we say, mm, I'd rather not. But then as God keeps working in people's lives, there's number six, an adjustment. And we say, okay, okay. Um, maybe God has to have a giant fish swallow you and barf you out on the, uh, on the shore like Jonah. Or maybe, maybe it's just a little bit of coaxing. But regardless, we adjust. And then when we obey and we experience God, we see what he's doing. We, we're doing things along with him. His plan, not asking him, Lord, bless my plans, but, but saying, God, I want to join you in what you're doing. Then all of a sudden, we get to know him better. We, as we're experiencing and seeing him work and doing things, imagine how you would feel if you were walking through the Red Sea, which we'll cover next week. Imagine how you would feel if you saw the tomb empty of Jesus Christ. You, you, you experience those things with what God is doing. And before anyone can do that, we have to be connected with him. And before you can be connected with him, you have to believe him. And that's the gospel. Because, you know, if you, don't, if you don't believe in the gospel, none of this is going to make any sense. In fact, really, nothing we do <laughs> any Sunday is going to make any sense. The gospel message is that this world stinks. There are things that are bad. There are things where people get ill, where there is cruelty to our fellow human beings. There is, there, you know, our cars break down. Um, you know, all the different things that can happen are part of this thing called the fall, and it's not the way it was supposed to be. And so we try to make up for it. We try to find fulfillment, uh, but even though we're disconnected from God, we try to find fulfillment in, in our jobs or our families. Uh, some people turn to drugs and alcohol, fame, money, whatever, just to say, I want something to be real. I want to feel something. I want to feel satisfied. None of those things work. And we have this sin problem. We have this death problem. So how do we resolve it? We can't. And that's where God says, but I got gotcha. you. I got it covered. And that's why he sent Jesus, in order that, that there would be an opportunity for someone to say, I believe in him. God accepts Jesus' sacrifice for our sin. He does. He said, that's more than enough to pay for your sin. You can't do it yourself. Don't even try. It'll just insult him. 
But God says, I will do that. I've done that. I've made it possible. And the person who believes is just saying, I want that. I, I believe that. And it, it sounds kind of a crass way to say it, but we're riding on Jesus' coattails. He is bringing us into heaven. And, and then that's where the new life starts, and that's where we find, find that our lives can change. We have a new life. We find out our sin's paid for, our guilt is paid for, and then we begin a journey with God to grow more and more to be like Christ. And then one day that journey is going to be complete, and we'll be like him. We'll see him as he is. And you're thinking, Joe, we know this. Well, yeah, we do. And maybe you've heard that a lot. You've heard the gospel before. But it is not uncommon for someone in a church who even maybe attends a church regularly to say, wow, that suddenly makes sense to me. And you got to hear this because maybe today is that day. Maybe it's like we say, you know what, I, I get it now. And I believe. And if you're here today and you're feeling that, please, please, please see me afterwards. Because you've just become a new creature in Christ, and we want to rejoice with you. But if you've done that, if you're already following him, where do we start? Jesus has some, I mean, the, the, the words themselves are simple, but they're very profound. First-year Greek students, look at the Gospel of John, because the, the words are, are used over and over again, and, and it's, it's easier, the grammar is very easy, but... Some of these statements that Jesus makes through, uh, through John's gospel are so profound. And this is certainly one of them. So let's, let's jump to John chapter 15. Because once you believe, then you're connected. And he's going to use an example of a vineyard, a vine and a branch. So John 15, 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Okay, let's look at both of those titles here. The, the true vine, he is, he is opposed to the untrue vines, the false vines. Uh, he, it, by the way, in the book of John, the Gospel of John, there are many statements. They're called the I am statements. And where you know, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, I am the door of the sheep. Uh, where he just says in John 8, I am. He's identifying himself with the Yahweh name and so forth. And this is the first time in the Gospel of John where we see this I am statement. So he's the true vine. I am the true vine, he says, according to false vines. Now, what are the vines do we see in the Scripture? Well, um, just a read to you this quickly from Isaiah chapter 5, because God often said, that Israel was a vine or a vineyard. And obviously these are metaphors. They're true, but they're figures of speech. Jesus wasn't saying he literally is a vine. He's claiming something about being part of God's kingdom. Isaiah 5, 3 through 5, it says, Now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? In talking about Israel. When I looked for the yield grapes, why did it not yield grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. And so God's saying, Israel, you're my vineyard. And when you plant a vineyard, what do you expect to grow? Grapes. Well, they didn't grow grapes. And God, you know, I'm just 
It's just taking up space right now. It's not the only time this metaphor is used of Israel being the vine. Psalm 80, Ezekiel 15, Ezekiel 17, Ezekiel 19, and Jeremiah 2. God calls Israel his vine. And so here Jesus is standing up and saying, I am the true vine. Things didn't work out so well for Israel. Yeah, sometimes they did things pretty well, but most of the time they weren't working with God. They were more opposing God. So he says, look, I am the true vine. Where Israel failed, I am not. Now others feel, and this very well could be possible, that when Jesus says, I'm the true vine, he's not just talking about Israel, but perhaps he's talking about other air quotes, vines. Maybe people are, have the vine of money or the vine of success or the vine of popularity. And Jesus says, all those are false. The, I'm the true one, the one that really takes care of your sin. He's the embodiment of what a true vine should be. He's the source of life for something called the branches. And we'll get into the branches in a minute because the branches are us. But then he says, so he says, he's the true vine. But then he says, the father, though, is the vine dresser or the gardener, the one who takes care of a vine. He plants, he establishes, and he takes care of the vines. He also tends the branches that come from the vine. So this whole vineyard is part of his creative work, his effort. He planted, he created. If you garden at all, okay, um, I mean, I just do a... I do an herb garden, uh, but if you're planting squash or you're planting flowers, there's things you need to do sometimes daily. Um, my, my kids will call me and say, can you go get mom? And they already know she's in her garden because that's where she is because <laughs> it takes a lot of time. She's weeding, she's fertilizing, she's doing you know, transplanting stuff and so forth. But you know, even the smallest of garden, it takes effort. You got you to gotta make sure it's getting water. You got to fertilize it. You got to pull the weeds out and everything. And so a, a gardener is, is taking care of it. It's tending it. And a gardener expects fruit. I've given up. Please don't give me any more advice about tomatoes. I've given up. I've Done. I'm not planting tomatoes anymore because they never grow in my yard. So I don't do that. I don't bother. Um, but if you need jalapenos, I'm your guy. <laughs> Tons of jalapenos this year. Why did I plant a jalapeno? Because I expected and wanted fresh jalapenos. A gardener does the same thing. God, the vine dresser, is doing the same thing. He planted a vineyard in order to produce fruit. Well, again, remember, all this is using figures of speech, but very real things. So he does something, though. He also prunes. Uh, guard, especially vineyards, they, they have a very strict kind of pruning regimen that they go through in order that the grapes might come further. So let's look at verse 2. He says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So he's using this analogy. Jesus said he's the vine. 
So it's like my body is the vine and there's the branch. We're the branches. And the branch is connected to the vine. If a branch is fruitless, he's going to take it away. Right? If, if it's just growing leaves and really not doing anything, he's going to take it away. Some plants have suckers. Right? Our, our maple tree. Every year, there's this, this little knob on it. It's almost like a, I don't know, a tree cancer or something. But this little knob near the, ba- near the bottom, right at the soil level. And every year, these little shoots come up. And every year, I cut them down and I spray it with pruning seal and all this stuff. And they're suckers. They don't really do anything. They just pop up. Well, some people are like that. They really don't produce any fruit. When, when someone becomes a believer, they're connected with the vine. And you got to be again, saved first. But gardeners cut these off. They really don't do any good for the plant. Branches die apart from the vine. Is that, is that, is that, is that a headline for anybody? Okay, if you cut a branch off a tree or uh, whatever, that branch is going to die. And we all get that, right? The same thing, if the branches, if you cut my arm off, it's a little gross, but if you cut my arm off and throw it in the, in the field over there, it's, that flesh is going to die really quickly. It's going to rot and get gross and, and because it's cut off. We get that. We understand that. But it's very, very true in this, in this analogy Jesus is using. You can look at John 15, 8 as well. Why, why do people become useless branches? People who've claimed to follow Christ, why do they? Well, first of all, I mean, you could not become a branch at all. You could just refuse to listen to him. You're not going to bear any fruit for him. You just, nope, don't want anything to do with him. That's one way to become a useless branch. You could also listen. You can hear Jesus and say, oh, that's so nice, and then walk away and never do anything about it. In other words, you hear but it doesn't make any difference in your life. Maybe you, maybe you have a nice expression or a poster or, or some sign in your house and it's a, it's a nice, pleasant thing to hear, but that's where it stops. It's hearing without really following through. The third way is maybe you listen and you hear and you try to follow it, but boy, it gets a little hard. It gets a little difficult and you think, nah, this isn't working, this isn't working. And I'm just going to abandon that. And that branch becomes useless. It becomes fruitless. But the other branches, though, are fruitful branches. And what do you do? You prune them that they, you might get more. I also planted a bell pepper. And the plant was really young. It was only this tall. And it had one bell pepper on it, about the size of a smaller than a tennis ball. And I cut it off. Why? Because I wanted more bell peppers. You do that. We, we prune. Producing more fruit is the function of the gardener. And God is an expert gardener. He knows exactly where to prune, where to pull things back so that there might be more fruit. When we listen to Jesus, when we hear his words and listen and obey them, we're, we're getting pruned. We're becoming more and more like him. 
Paul said this in his own personal experience. The Apostle Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. He'd been pruned. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Paul had been pruned. What about this fruit? Let's look at verses 4 and 5 of John 15. Abide in me, we'll talk about that word, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit in itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Say that with me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Here, let's try it again. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You got to believe that. Here's the, here's the word abide. I want to get, one of these days, I want to get um, like one of those like little sirens with the little spinning lights. And it's going to be our, our, it's going to be our churchy word warning. You know, woo, woo, woo. Watch out for the churchy word. Because no one uses the word abide outside of church. But we just don't. Uh, and so it's a churchy word. What, is it, what does it mean? Most of our translations use that. It's a command here, abide in me. And it, it really means, it, it, it can be used outside of church. It really means to remain, to continue, uh, to be in a relationship. Literally, it means to stay where you are. Stay committed. Uh, for example, uh, uh, if you look at many uh, athletes, professional athletes, high-end, important businessmen, and were women. If you look at politicians who are advancing in their career, most of them, if not close to all of them, have a mentor. They have someone with whom they can talk to, that they could, they could seek advice with them. What that athlete or business person is doing is they're abiding with their member, their mentor. They're staying connected with them. They have a difficulty. They have a struggle. One of my mentors in, in ministry, I, used to, I went to him and said, Galen, I don't, I don't know what to do, Galen. This, here's, the, here's the problem. And he listened and he goes, oh, do X, Y, and Z. And I look at him mad. Like, Why didn't I think of that? And he goes, Joe, I've been through this 50 times myself. And you'll be there. And so I could always contact, even, even when we moved out here, I kept in contact with him. I kept abiding with Galen. He is home with the Lord now. Uh, here, let me give you another example. We got this cool thing that grandparents have called blessed uh, because it's called Facebook Live. Okay, you can, you can do the calls like the Jetsons. You could do video calls. And so even though my, my grandkids four hours away, every Wednesday night we get a call. And it's our little buddy. And people use now that, that calling all the time. And so they, they FaceTime with each other. And they call and they talk and they tell how their day's in. But you know what some people have started to do? 
they've left the call on. So they say, hey, I got I to gotta make dinner, I got to do the dishes or take some care of some stuff around the house, but I'm gonna, we're going to leave the call open. And so during the day, this long-distance couple is still connected with their FaceTime. They could see maybe their, their friend or their significant other doing their things around the home and maybe at their jobs, maybe they're sitting at their desk and working away. And they're not talking, but they're they're still abiding with one another through this connection on their phone. That's just another example of what Jesus is talking about. William Barclay said the secret of the life of Jesus, the secret of the life of Jesus was his contact with God. It must be so with us and Jesus. We must keep in contact with him. We must continue abiding with him. This is the condition of bearing fruit. So if you, have a, if you have a vine, and then you have a branch, it's got to be abiding. It's got to be connected. Otherwise, you die off. Again, everyone knows this. The same is true for the disciple. If you want to bear fruit for God, you have to be abiding in Christ. You have to. It's connected to the Father's vine. Uh, another quote, the life of the vine flows from the branch. So Jesus then repeats this. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If he's repeating it, he must want to emphasize it. As long as you're connected, you're bear, you bear fruit. Well, what fruit? Well, the Father's fruit. What the, what, it's his vine, remember? It's for his glory. It is doing his will, not what we want and saying, God, here's my plan. Please bless it. But he's saying, look, this is God's will. This is what the fruit he wants to produce in us. Some of that might be the fruit of the spirit. Some of that might be uh, uh, something for his kingdom that is going to bring more people in, making disciples, so to speak. Uh, it's not about our prosperity. It's not about, hey, if you do God's will, you're going to be wealthy and have a nice home. It might be very, very difficult in your life. He says, apart from the vine, remember we repeated it, we can do what? Nothing. You know what's meant by the word nothing? Nothing. Now, so you think, what does Jesus mean by that? You could do nothing. Well, I do things. Don't you do things? I mean, I could change a light bulb. That's something. So what does he mean, I could do nothing? I, I, the, the, there's stuff we could do. So, well, I mean, he, he could mean, well, since he created us, really, because we exist, we can do things. It's from him. Or maybe he's talking more specifically about the, the fruit of, of the Father, bringing him glory, doing his works. You can't do his works without him. You gotta be a believer, and you gotta be abiding. If you're not abiding, you're not connected to the vine. I mean, there's, there's, you could try to do stuff. You could do good things, but you may be one of those people that say, hey, I did this for you, Jesus. I did that for you. And he says, I don't know you. You were never connected. You were never connected. 
So uh, when it comes to this, the things of this world, that new life kind of stuff, I think we could extend it not just to doing things, churchy things in our world, but I, I think I can't be a good spouse without God, without being connected to the vine. I can't be a good parent without being connected to the vine. I can't be a good employee. I can't, I can't speak about the gospel. I can't have the fruit of the Spirit unless I'm connected to the vine. Without him, we can do nothing. I can't do anything of lasting value. One quick example from the, from the apostles, you know, is after uh, Jesus had been resurrected, it's John chapter 21, it's kind of an epilogue uh, chapter in the, in the whole gospel message, but Peter, fisherman, just said, hey, I'm going fishing. Now, he doesn't mean with a rod and reel. He's going out in his boat. Got, he's got the, the nets and everything. And they fished all night, got nothing. And then all of a sudden they hear from the shore, hey, throw your nets out on the other side. All right. And they, so they do that. And all of a sudden they get this great catch of fish. And the nets are breaking. And it's, it's Jesus. Peter jumps in and he's swimming over there. Because you know what? Without him... You could do nothing. They couldn't even catch fish without instruction and connection with Jesus. So my encouragement as we get started here in this experiencing God process is to be connected with him. It's not about what we get. It's not about what we get. It's about what the Father wants from his vineyard. And I gotta tell you, there is nothing more satisfying more joyful, more fulfilling than doing the will of the Father. See, the only other option is you're cut off. You're cut off from what God is doing. An abiding life is one of great fulfillment and fruit. It's what we're designed to be. It's what God restored through the gospel that we might be reconnected. How do you do that? How do, how, how do we do that? Well, it starts with listening as you're, as you're reading the scriptures, as you're hearing things on a Sunday, uh, or even listening to Christian music, wherever you're getting this input in from the Lord, listen. Say, that's something I need to work on. That's something I need to do lately. Uh, uh, even this morning, I was, God was speaking to me about some habits of prayer uh, that I need to correct. And so finally I said, God, God you're right. I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll change that. Take the opportunity over these next few months to listen and invest to what God is saying. I don't know what he's going to say to you or to us. Another thing to look at is just thinking of it this way. Over the next 12 weeks, as we cover a lot of ground, write God a blank check of your life. Say, God, I, I, I don't know how many heartbeats, I don't know how many breaths I have left, but pay to the order God of the universe. Sign it. This is for you. This is for you. I'm going to be, I'm, whatever you want me to use this life for. Are we willing to obey and trust the Lord for something more than just religion? Give you another, another phone illustration. Um, you know, security on these things is a big deal. 
And they have this thing called a face recognition. So right now my phone's locked. But you know what? It just looks at my face and it's unlocked. Okay? So even if I'm dead, you can just... That was morbid. What happens in the technology is the more it looks at you, the more it learns. It's called a ping. The more it pings my face, the more it learns it's me. The more we ping the face of God, the more we recognize him, the more we see him. Similar kind of thing, isn't it? In a moment, we're going we're gonna to do a new song. We haven't done it before. It, um, it's called Call Me Higher. And in the song, um, you'll hear it, and then we'll, we'll sing it together. Um, oh, no, we're not going to hear it, are we? Okay. It'll be your first try. If you want to just let's read the words, that's fine. But in there, it says, you know, I could just stay where I'm at. I could just stay here and enjoy you, God. Or I could move on. I can move to something greater, something higher that you have for me. That's what we're talking about with this series of experiencing God. There's a chance for us to say, I want to kind of move on, Lord, into something new. If, if people get, and the book of Hebrews talks about this, is we get content drinking milk. You, you got to get weaned off of milk. But no, I don't want to do that. I'm good with milk. Says, no, but I got solid food for you, something much more. So as we, as we sing that, I just encourage you to, to think and pray through those lyrics. Man, I, I, could, I could just do this. I could just be nice and happy and comfortable. Oh, but Lord, I want you as well. Let's spend some time in prayer together. And we also have a time of communion today. Um, and here's a few things to, to, first of all, praise God for. Uh, one is that God is the vine dresser. It's just a matter of praise for him. And also with that, Jesus, you're the vine, I'm the branch. And without him, we can do nothing. That's really a nice thing. And then finally, to be connected with you. I will be, just say, Lord Jesus, I'm going to be connected with you. Me as a branch, I'm going to be connected to you. We as a church, we're going to be connected with our vine. So if you'd like to pray out loud today, go ahead and I'll close us in a bit. And then we'll have our time of communion.
God, in all the universes and the galaxies that you've created, we're, we're just a little speck of light. Not even being able to see by a naked eye, we don't understand. I mean, I would, again, I would use angels. I would use your own power to accomplish your will. But for some reason, you say, I want my sons and daughters in on this. And Lord, most of all, though, for our own sakes, to first of all, to know you and then to, to be abiding, to be connected with you. Um, Lord, how, how, how nice that is. How, what a privilege for us. And so, Lord, we, we um, I mean, I, I confess those times when I didn't want to do things out of fear or I thought they would fall or I thought they'd be hard or take too much time. But Lord, today, in this moment, we want to we have that time where we say, we're, we're going to let you, Lord, be, let the Lord be Lord. Let you be the one that we, we follow. You are the vine dresser. Lord Jesus, you are the vine, and we're the branch. Without you, we could do nothing. So Lord, if, we're, if we need to spend time today just confessing, just say, I've resisted you, I've kept you at arm's length, then before at our... Before our communion time, Lord, we want to uh, confess that and be made right with you. But Lord, on the other side of it, thank, thank you, thank you. What, a, what an opportunity, what an amazing thing to get to know the living God and to be about your business and growing your fruit. Oh, Lord, we indeed are not worthy, but, but we are grateful for this truth. In your name, amen.
As always, if you need to do business with God, please do it. And then come on up and remember the, the broken body, the bread, uh, is uh, representative of Jesus' body. And then the juice represents his blood, the covenant that he's made for us. So you're welcome to come up individually or as families. And then we'll have a few announcements, and then we'll start that Call Me Higher song. actually like to invite you to remain seated um, during the first part of the song. Um, it's maybe a new song for a lot of you. You may have heard it on the radio. But just watch the words, listen, and let them speak to your heart. Galatians 6 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are the household of faith. Call me higher, Lord. I could just sit. I could just sit and wait for all. Your goodness, hope to feel your presence. I could just stay, I could just stay right where I am and hope to feel you, hope to feel something again. Change me from the inside 
inside I could be safe oh I could be safe here in your arms and never leave oh never let these walls down you have called me higher you have called me deeper now go
does he want to lead you? Are you surrendering? Are you listening? For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Our next song is Lay Me Down. And it's a call for us to serve him. Let's sing. This heart open wide from the depths, from the heights, I will bring a sacrifice. With these hands lifted high, hear my song, hear my cry, I will bring a sacrifice. I will bring a sacrifice. I lay me down, Lord. I lay me down, I'm not my own. I belong to you alone. Lay me down, lay me down. Oh, and on my heart this much is Again. 